The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Irvin Dardik is my guest today in the Hero Series. Dr. Irvin Dardik is a true maverick and a thinker of vast proportions. His background includes an illustrious career as a vascular surgeon, almost a decade of work with the U.S. Olympic Committee's Sports Medicine Council, an award-winning career as an amateur sprinter, and the culmination of all of this, Dardik's formulation of superwave theory. He quoted recently, Here I present the elegant reality that is the natural universe. All existence is waves, only waves. This entirely new understanding of waves that I call super waves is the single universality that generates the entire natural universe of motion, of order and of matter, space and time. Super waves is not a theoretical model or mathematical law about nature, nor is it a hidden reality within nature. It is the simple reality that is nature. Dr. Irvin Dardik joins me today with Susan Anthony. Welcome today to In Discussion and the Heroes series with Dr. Susan Anthony and our special guest, Dr. Irvin Dardik. Susie and Dr. Dardik, welcome to you today. It's wonderful to have you back again. And it's good to be back. I can hardly wait for the next six levels. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Before we continue with the remaining six stages, I wonder if I could ask you, Susie, to give our listeners a short review from the first program. We have listened to a story about the ordinary world and heard how he chose medicine. And he also had a huge passion for competitive sport and wished to become a professional athlete. He attuned to his bliss, followed his passion and found his reward, happiness and real abundance. He also demonstrated incredible hero qualities of courage and humility and willingness. When he was called to adventure... 
and dreamed of a solution to people's suffering as a vascular surgeon. And he bucked the system and followed his intuition. Didn't really experience too much fear when somebody much senior to him tried to steal his work and claim it as their own. He developed compassion, I think. He, he then carried on his journey in very much the same vein, following in the footsteps of Einstein, who said the rational mind is a faithful servant, the intuitive mind is a divine gift, and doing his best to overcome the problem we've created by worshipping the servant and forgetting the gift. He then met with various mentors who hired him to establish and found the U.S. Olympic Sports Medicine Council, was called across the first threshold of the hero's journey to really understand the relationship between aerobic exercise and, in its conventional form, and health, longevity, and immunity, and made some very amazing discoveries following the death of a good friend, Jack Kelly, who was an Olympic rower who died in a state of so-called peak fitness. And even though the truths that Irv dug deep to find weren't incredibly acceptable and were held in, in ridicule by some, he didn't give up. And so he claimed his hero's journey. And that takes us up to present day where we're looking at tests, allies, and enemies. As the hero confronts the tests, the enemies, the, the meets the allies, friends, and begins to learn the rules of the special world, which is where we're starting today. Well, Susie, thank you for that review. Dr. Dardick, with that in mind, looking at this level of tests, allies and enemies, before I have a specific question for you, what comes to mind for you in this area of your journey? Well, the experience I had with Jack Kelly here as an Olympian who suddenly died after exercise was a challenge because here was an individual, not just my friend, uh, but also someone who I expect, we would expect would have been able to compete and run and row for years and years, and here he is, 50 years old. And uh, I realized that there were many other people like this that had happened to Jack Kelly. He was not the only one. And there were many people who were getting quite ill with cancer, not just heart disease and suddenly dying, uh, associated with intensive exercise. And my thoughts began, it went in the direction of why and how does this happen? And what I actually did was to resign from the Olympic Committee and in that context, focused in on this one concept, this one phenomenon of what happens with recovery from exercise, where I realized that meditation is identical to uh, recovery from exercise and that the heart rate, blood pressure, stress hormones, everything comes down and relaxes. And I saw a connection here. This is what was so powerful. 
between two different scales of the whole organism doing exercise recovery and then not only the heartbeat speeding up and slowing down but the chemistry doing the same thing and realized that in a living organism all motion everything is rhythmic and in that context saw a whole new way to look at life at uh, biologically throughout the nature throughout living organisms everything from plants to to humans to animals that everything is cyclic and it's a common denominator it's like a common language and here we were in the history of science looking at mathematics as being a common language and suddenly i saw something we all experience the rhythms of life are ubiquitous and we take them as if it's just a secondary oh we make waves and i suddenly realized how powerful these rhythms are and that they're a language that crosses scales right from the microscopic particles and atoms and molecules all the way to to the whole organism through the organ systems right to the sun and the moon everything is cycling i realized that it's not a random arbitrary phenomenon it's for, it's what it is a commonality of reality that is extraordinarily uh, powerful and meaningful that we've put in a secondary role matter makes wave i happen to make r waves in fact we call in science they oftentimes call waves as uh, refer to them as noise fluctuations random fluctuations and we try to straighten things out and get rid of the waves and that's how civilization actually grew up and evolved from that direction that we can ignore nature's rhythms and my own and work and think and do everything based on the concept of causality and linearity, determinism. Let me ask okay. you, what are the ma magical rules, therefore, that you discovered uh, during this period? And, and how does it help for everybody to return to their health? The magical understanding, if you want to call it a rule, was the re realization that different scales in the, let's take just a living organism, me, you, anyone, and you'll realize that as you go down the different scales, everything's rhythmic, but the rhythms, the magic of it is that they are nested inside one another, much like um, Russian dolls, the Matryoshka dolls, that, but they are a continuum. The waves are, if you can picture the, the, the heart beating and all the blood vessels pulsating, and everything is rhythms within the rhythms. If I stand up, my heartbeat's speeding up and then slowing down as I sit down. That these rhythms across scales going down to the micro are all connected as a continuum, but with extraordinary order. And here in the history of medicine and science, we've always been thinking in terms of bottom-up building blocks. And no one has ever been able to see that there's anything coming from the top down in, the, in, in science, in the classical science, in quantum physics, that everything comes from the bottom-up building blocks. The whole is made of parts, and we'll see what the building blocks are. And there's no pilot, there's no organizer, there's no uh, there's no coordinator coming from the top down in a, in nature itself. And here suddenly I saw that my rhythms coming from the top down, outside inwards, 
are determining the shape and the patterns of the rhythms of not only my heartbeat speeding up and slowing down, determined by how I exercise and recovery, the rate of acceleration, deceleration, the heartbeat, the waves, the heartbeat speeding up and slowing down as a wave, and the chemistry, the molecules, the DNA, the genes, everything is responding microscopically through all their oscillations that we believe should be random, should be, but somehow they're ordered, and no one knows how. They call it spontaneous self-organization. It reminded me of spontaneous generation, as if life spontaneous came out of nowhere. No, it's actually nested as rhythms at the molecular at the gene level, the DNA level, in the waves of the larger scale, the, or, the cell, the organ systems, the heartbeat, and the whole organism, me, you. And we can direct from the top down the shape, the patterns designed for health as compared to patterns that are designed and create disease and death based on the shaping of these wave patterns and that we have rhythms of nature of ourselves ourselves are are designed truly designed not just a random pattern according to the rhythms of the environment and the nature including going all the way to the solar system the sun the moon the sun and so forth and so we are not only a continuum with our own rhythms inside we're a continuum with the environmental rhythms that have a pattern of order that we can understand and use for health, for performance, and even longevity, and for life on this planet. Can I just suggest, and very briefly uh, in answering this, Dr. Dardick, Mm -hmm. the way that you express this, and possibly, Susie, you may want to comment, it seems to me that you are suggesting that we as human beings are the universe. Would that be a, a fair definition? Yes, we are we are patterned like a fractal self-similarity of the entire universe and the universe is a fractal of us and we are a continuum with the universe which is quite the opposite of what we've always thought of in science as i am the observer and and that thing over there is the observed that is as if we're not connected i that it was very difficult for me because i was trained to think in terms of separateness, isolationism in medicine and science. This is the way, this is our thinking and, and building blocks, the concept. But here suddenly I saw the continuum and I suddenly said, oh my God, now action is distance, people's thoughts over there, consciousness and all that. And what you're saying and what I'm saying is there's a universal consciousness that is reality, that is the true reality of nature. Would you like to respond to that, Susie? Well, yeah, I mean, my near-death experience taught me the interconnectedness of everything. We're all leaves on the same tree, and when we remember that and conquer the illusion of separation, we're far less inclined to be harmful towards one another. However, we do have to learn some special rules so that we can become harmless. It isn't something that is just given to us in a divine dispensation or grace. 
we have to work for it. We have to brainwash ourselves, wash out the old programming and learn new rules for psychological health as well as physical health and to help maintain that connection to the special world and make full use of its miraculous powers. And this is what you would refer to as, as an emotional resilience, Susie? Yeah, I mean, emotional resilience is something we all want, something we all desire and need in order to face life unencumbered by unrealistic fears and to communicate freely with the people we love most. If you can imagine the amount of fear-based propaganda that we experience every day in terms of how do we look, how much money do we have, where do we live, what do we drive, how clever are we? There's an awful lot of fear in our lives, a distinct lack of emotional resilience. I learned 10 rules, which I can tell you very briefly, which helped me to overcome fear. And when we're afraid, we block off from this natural rhythm, this natural harmony. And that's what causes disease. And we can overcome this by telling the truth, facing life openly, because what you avoid imprisons you. We can learn to say what we mean, feel, and believe. Self-acceptance is high on the list, and accepting ourselves as we are, and accepting others as they are. Knowing and accepting our weaknesses, we need to all stop trying to prove ourselves. We need to let go of the past, and also to give up false expectations, which keep us hostage to victim consciousness, which is another form of fear. We also need to take responsibility for our lives, how they've turned out, because what we're willing to take responsibility for frees us. And the most important cardinal rule, the special rule for emotional resilience is deal with pain in the moment it arises and then get back into harmony with those rhythms. I, I'd just like to ask you, Dr. Dardick, your response to that statement just made by Susie. I know that we are finishing up very nicely there. Susie finished up very nicely with this harmony that we talk about, but specifically to those points that Susie made. I, I, uh, there are two things that I, I made note of. One is the uh, idea of emotional resilience, and I, and I added to that emotional res resilience through emotional resonance with nature, with the environment, with yourself. And I think that is, that is absolutely beautiful. And, and, and Susie, you used the word imprisoned and the imprisonment, and that's when we don't have that resilience and resonance that we ended up in, end up in isolation as if we're imprisoned. And then the idea of taking responsibility for our lives is what you said. Oh, that's so beautiful because we have to take responsibility for our lives and in doing so, the life of the environment that we are continuing with, that we're not separate from the our own lives and the life out there. It's all a continuum for one. I think it's beautiful. 
your words, both of you, are quite profound. You are talking, you, you are using the word nature a lot and universe a lot. Are you essentially laying out this linear scale? I'm sorry, this is a question for both of you. Maybe Susie, I'll ask, start with you. Is this a linear scale where, where you start with the, the universe and the, and the solar system and the world and the person and the body and the atoms and, and that everything is interconnected and everything is the universe? That's absolutely right. If you go back to ancient wisdoms, both in Egypt and Hermes in Greece, they had a saying, as above, so below. And everything, you know, is a microcosm of a macrocosm. When I meditate, when I connect every day and every evening, I connect to the sky, the father, the land, the mother, me, the mystical child that's constantly rebirthing and being empowered. And I send those energies into every cell, every atom, every molecule, subatomic particle, everything, and feel the oneness. And that's how I'm able to stay calm, even in periods of great turbulence and change and transformation. And even though I've become very sensitive to feeling what's going on with the earth, and the collective, you can feel fear, you can feel grief, especially with all these natural disasters and financial crises. And I've learned just that very simple technique. It takes five minutes, morning and night, and at any point during the day where I just remind myself and remember that oneness. This, Dr. Dardick, uh, for your short response to this, would am I right in saying that the way that you define this suggests that there are infinities in both directions, whether you go out from yourself or whether you go within yourself? You are the universe. There, there are no boundaries. It, it, we are all one. Absolutely. It's a boundless universe. And the boundaries that we create... And the problems, so many of which we have, have, be, have, have evolved because of us putting on boundaries, even artificially in the way we've developed civilization, to think that we can master the environment and control the environment by separating ourselves from the environment and from others, whether it's nations and lands or whether it's the way we've created cities and, and locked ourselves into, uh, imprisoned ourselves, and not realizing what Susie was just saying. Saying the the uh, that everything is interconnected, and by the way, the word everything in itself, even language, has a tendency to separate things: one thing, everything, something. And but yet, it's what we really are experiencing, and the true nature of reality is a the connectedness is an inherent continuum of the natural rhythms of nature, of which is what. I am and what you and everyone actually is. 
is once we understand its relationship to the atomic and subatomic world and the physics of the universe, etc. And the word physis means nature. I'm thinking here this is what has divided quantum physics from biology over the years and, and probably created some some walls to, to jump over. I, I'd like to go to Susie's next level approach. Um, this is where Susie states the hero has sit, hit setbacks during tests and may need to try a new idea. And one of her favorite themes for the hero series is about embracing chaos. Setbacks, she says, creates doubt, fear, confusion, and chaos that we've talked to. And uh, she states also that this results when the world changes faster than people are willing to change. And so through the Hero series, Susie certainly inspires listeners to understand that our most authentic discoveries often come from chaos. To go, or rather, life forcing us to go to the place that looks wrong and stupid and foolish, that this breeds life. And that the Hero's adventure, whereas order and stale routines breed habit and stagnation, Chaos in the world certainly brings uneasiness, but it also allows the opportunity for creativity and growth. And Susie, we talked a lot about this on the phone earlier. Would you like to just comment on that before we pose a, a question to Dr. Dalek? Perhaps people would like to know what I do to overcome chaos. I work with the power of affirmations because just as we need to have emotional resilience, we also need to be in control of what we think because what we think creates our reality. So I've learned to become a legend in my own lifetime that I must first be a legend in my own mind and my own heart. And one way to ensure this is to use affirmations. And again, it's just a simple process, a repetition of positive statements in the present tense as if they're already fact. And I started about 18 years ago with I am powerful, loving, and courageous. This really worked well for me. And I also learned to overcome chaos by watching my language, being a witness to everything I said, speaking inclusively instead of don't forget to call me, please remember to call me. Because don't forget to call me can create all kinds of chaos because you're programming someone to forget. If I say don't think of a pink elephant now, everyone will be thinking of a pink elephant. There are all kinds of chaos and there are simple things that we can do to overcome them. Affirmations is really, really powerful. For you, Dr. Dardick, do you think that looking back at your life so far in your career that you would be in agreement with that, that chaos has itself helped you to transform, grow, and again inspire others to be to be positive, to understand that anything they think manifests itself uh, in both themselves and other people? Yes, actually I had direct experience with that at the time, not realizing that that was what I was uh, going through. When I began to use this, uh, try to understand these rhythms and waves of nature and see how I can actually orchestrate rhythms, just like when somebody is anxious, then relax, 
as Susie was talking about in the morning and the evening and things that she's thinking. And it's really a, a, a incredible physiological relaxation response and how one can actually orchestrate that by harnessing the cycles of exercise and recovery. Remember, recovery and relaxation meditation physiologically are identical and in the context of circadian and weekly and monthly cycles. So I began working with people who had health issues issues, every, anything from multiple sclerosis to cancer to cardiac disease to neurological disorders, whatever, and began to see how people were responding in an incredible way. And in that context, as I was making progress, I was challenged, if you want to call it, uh, by uh, the medical board in New York said that and they brought me in and said, you are making claims as if you are can cure the diseases, whereas these are incurable diseases. How can you cure the incurable? And I was saying, no, it's not me. I'm not talking about cure. I don't even like using that word because the individual themselves are the ones who, who are in the pro, who has, or, uh, who are enabled in the right thought process, the thinking process and physical, mind and body, how to actually, um, create health. I was coming from that direction, not trying to kill a disease. What is it that I can do that can cause and create health? And right after that, uh, when there were, I was challenged and, and uh, I actually lost my license, they took it away because they said you're promising promises that just can't, are impossible, that a physician who was at the time, he was head of um, neurology at um, uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, uh, he was on television, Dateline, NBC, and he was, they had a show, a, a piece, uh, talking about me and how what had happened to me and how this was so awful and he said that the day Dardic is right is the day pigs will fly that was the end of that program <laughs> since then i've had hundreds and hundreds of people sending me pigs and we are loaded with flying pigs here and you know little um, models of them and all that but um what what it did to me more than anything was realizing it could, i could have turned around and said oh my god everything's falling apart that's chaos everything is just it's an impossible thing and i've got to hide it really drove me to think even more how how can we actually get to understand this this is a this is a way to understand nature which is different than the way science and our typical ways of thinking and the practical aspects of laboratory uh closed environmental situations experimental situations here was something that that was that i experienced myself much like susan was saying and thinking through and just taking time to just breathe and know that it, there's truth in understanding the true nature of nature itself, and that I experience myself and not something that's hidden away in a particle or in, in the galaxy as if the answer comes in a mathematical description of what those things, what's going on there. Not mathematics, but the rea true reality of the order of nature, not the chaos. The universe, I realize, is incredibly ordered.
That is quite different than anything that science has always said from the second law of thermodynamics, that the universe is going to heat death, everything's going to fall apart, that's the only way things are going. That is the arrow of time in science. No. The universe is actually the opposite. And what, and what Susie is experiencing and what I experience is the true order of the nature of nature. Susie, because we talked about this this morning in relation to what my journey, uh-huh. um, and, and please do go ahead, but I just wanted to ask you at the same time just to talk about daily spiritual discipline that you want to apply in this part of the journey. And there are lots of disciplines. I mean, the emotional resilience rules, they, they are practiced daily. The sound conscious languaging rules, what am I saying? Am I aware of what I'm saying? Am I present? And that's what I wanted to pick up from Irv, where he was talking about focusing on returning to health rather than incurable disease, because where we focus our attention, energy is magnified. Mystics knew this. For instance, Mother Teresa was invited to... Um, rally against war and she refused to go saying if you invite me to a peace rally I'll come but she knew that this rally against war would focus everyone on war I think in the conventional medical model there's too much focus on the disease and also the contraindications of all the pharmaceutical drugs when you actually focus on wow there's a challenge here but let's look at the progress, let's look at the small miracles. You then create that reality of positive change. Does that mean when preventative medicine came around that in a way that is almost manifesting something negative? It's almost thinking the wrong way, would you agree with that? Wow, you know I've had conversations with people in in the American Embassy in Madrid this woman came where I was giving a talk and she said well she said what would you do about vaccinations if your child had to be vaccinated she said um you know I lie awake at night and I'm terrified I don't know what I should do and I said well if you're afraid vaccinate and hope for the best if you're not afraid don't vaccinate and hope for the best and just know that your faith your positivity will only attract positive events. And if there is a negative event, you'll learn from it. So it's win-win. Let's go on with that to the eighth stage, and I suspect it will be the last uh, in this second program, the first biggest life or death crisis. And in this, uh, Dr. Dardick, uh, come two more powerful tests to your fortitude, incredible courage, determination, and persistence. In your early attempts to put leading-edge scientific theories into practice, you were banned, which you have talked to, and you, you lost effectively everything and became penniless. Would you like to share that period briefly about what happened and the way that you found that fortitude, uh, the hero qualities that Susie talked about in, in overcoming yeah. those horrific ordeals? Right. The two major ordeals that happened, uh, one very quickly, the second one, was where I did lose my license. And I wasn't practicing medicine. I wasn't doing surgery at the time at all. 
As a matter of fact, uh, they were they one of the key points that they uh, uh, had was that I had written a prescription for someone for their exercise equipment, and therefore uh, my program was a, was a medical program since I wrote a, pre- a prescription for reimbursement for the uh, a piece of exercise equipment. But but th- that led to my not being able to work with people and some of the people were paying me good money in order for me to also bring other people who couldn't afford if i had ten people in the program maybe two or three were able to pay and some uh, one of them or two had a, a substantial funds and and help pay for the others so that we could hire trainers and people to work with them on this but what happened suddenly i wasn't able to do anything i had no income whatsoever and I was no longer able to pay my alimony, and my ex-wife uh, made the decision to uh, take me to court and uh, explain that I must have hidden money, like offshore, whatever. <laughs> and I ended up going to jail. Uh, they put me in jail for a week, uh, the idea being that uh, um, if I, here in New Jersey, uh, that I would uh, come up with some funds if I had to go to jail. So I went. I had no choice. And when I was in jail, there was a, the, the, there was a new judge who had come on board. And, uh, just for the week, it was a Labor Day week holiday. And, um, he, and he turned around and said, you're going to jail. And when I went to jail, I brought my heart rate monitors, a couple of monitors with me. And they let me bring it in. And they had a gym there where I was able to, and to make a long story short, I was able to work with a number of the prisoners there and put them on my cycles program and they loved it even the guards loved it and everybody began to do cycles and rhythms and waves and try to to uh, see how these rhythms and, and our body could affect the way we think and the way we feel in and, and in combination with the meditation and relaxation and it was a very it was only a week was a new the old judge came back after the holiday and said oh my god <laughs> and immediately released me but that experience was very 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 powerful. And what it did, really did when I had the opportunity to sit down with people who were drug addicts and, and criminals and whatever, we had discussions about the kind of thing. I don't have the eloquence of speaking about it the way Susie Anthony does, but uh, I was talking from the more with my experience from the Olympics and my health experiences personally and the unit and what goes on with the Olympics and drugs and sports and all that stuff. And it was quite an extraordinary experience that when I left I was actually invigorated I look I honestly look back on that as a as a huge positive I said my gosh it gave me the opportunity to see and to experience what people are struggling with not just on their health on on the side of of uh, of uh, of of destruction of criminality, of, of society. What is going on there? How do we need to think about it in a way that isn't just that everybody needs to be in prison? What is it that, it, what is rehabilitation? What is getting my life back? As, as many of them would say and said. And this is, so it, I, I began to tie that in with nature itself, with the recognition that chaos, negativity, war, is really nested in a continuum of rhythms of waves of the collective of cooperation. Uh, that whole approach, and we always treat them as opposite. Health versus disease, 
peace versus war. And everything is all these opposites. And maybe there's a, that life emerged on this planet and maybe others in the context of cooperation. And that that is what we need to understand. And not trying to kill a disease, not trying to make war on a disease, war on the environment, war between us, but a way that we can see how that's nested in a most powerful cooperation. And the, the, the way Susie's talking about the is not Susie. <laughs> She's talking about a universality. You're talking about a, a universality that is very precious and is who we really are. And that's the context that we have to think of where, uh, when we have problems and we have difficulties in that larger context and not trying just to, to make war. In fact, now I just, I just read about somebody talking about we need to make a war on war. <laughs> well, that's not, that, that's an oxymoron. That's an impossibility. What are you talking about? I'm making a war on war. We need to think of the context of who we really are. Not a chaotic universe, but a universe of order. Let me ask you, Susie, this again reminds me of our conversation this morning, that the loss, I mean, this can be assumed as so much loss in this period for Dr. Dardick, and yet it's opportunity disguised as loss. And in your notes, you talk about choice points, Susie, and this path of the soul versus the path of ego. Where does this sit in here? I mean, first of all, Irv has described beautifully to us about going to that place or life forcing him to go to that place that looks wrong, stupid, foolish, i.e. jail. And yet, he fully, fully embraced the hero's adventure and saw all the positives and helped people and didn't give up. And that was a choice point because he could have chosen to become a victim and climbed up on the cross and crucified himself. But he didn't. You know, Susie, can I interrupt a second, Susie? Sure. I have to do this. Those, the, 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 those people I work with, the so-called criminals, after they were released, and, they, they, and while they were there, they called me. They got in touch with me. They wanted to hear more and be, how can I continue? How can we continue this happening? It was beautiful. Well, it's, you know, a lot of them are there because of ignorance. And they didn't realize they had choice points. You know, there's a phrase in the Bible, many are called and few are chosen. And that used to puzzle me as a child. But it kept coming to mind when I began to consider the ordeals and initiations of this ancient Gnostic path, the hero's journey. And now I realize that we're all called to reconnect to the hero inside when we experience some kind of initiation some kind of awakening or test or trial or ordeal now does that in itself susie mean that we really need to connect to mother earth in order to do that definitely and father sky because that's the masculine and feminine energy that has not been corrupted by the program of fear and is constant is stable empowers us. Let's in the last 10 minutes wrap up the second of these programs with Susie's stage 
number nine, the reward. So the hero has survived death, overcomes his fears, and now earns the reward. And Susie's favoured statement by Gandhi, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then they win, then you win. Susie, would you like to, I'd, I would like you to come in here first, if you may, because this is probably one of my favourite stages, the reward. It seems that it's very pivotal in this journey. It is, and I mean, the ultimate reward is an indomitable spirit where the hero, through his or her own effort, has cultivated throughout all the testing a very special strength of character, the reward of which is the power to remain steadfast with an unbroken spirit. No matter what is happening in your external world or your internal world, you find the power to persist despite setbacks, the power to endure pain and to overcome fear. This is exactly what we need in order to complete the journey. And Dr. Dade, what an amazing journey at this stage for you because you are being hit again and again and again. And yet here you are finally taken seriously and you receive all of this support and you receive the sponsorship of the Sydney Kimmel and you're looking at $450 million worth in, in funding. That must be an amazing period for you to finally be recognized. Yes. Having met with uh, Sidney Kimmel, who had his own health problems, uh, and worked with him, and he saw what was going on and had the vision to uh, look ahead, as he had done with, uh, with, the, the, with cancer research, and, and knew that the, the money that he had earned, and he was the um, CEO and chairman of the board of Jones Apparel, uh, Jones, New York, and, and came from uh, poverty, essentially, to become extremely wealthy. And, all, and then he said, and he said to me, here I have all this money, and yet where am I? Where am I? I have this health issue, and I, am I going to live? And we worked together, and he, he did beautifully, and, and began to work with me and our team on funding the Life Waves, and, which is what we called the, um, the, the program that we could give to people and work with people and develop it as something that we could work with on a national, international scale. And here is a man who, um, uh, who is so committed to what we're doing. Of course, now we're expanding it beyond uh, just the health arena, but this is a, uh, a power, it is a powerful, how can I say it? Is it, a, it an incredible feeling when we are faced with such like you're going to hit the wall every place you look, and then all of a sudden the light shines in. And that's with Sidney Kimmel and his support for what we've done and what we're doing now in the future is incredible. And, and we are creating, we are having the results now that we, I've always been dreaming about that we would know what it is, uh, from the health side, what is health? What is it that, that, and what is this thing that we call disease? What is that disorder? And from the health arena, how can we create a whole new understanding 
of how to go about in the health arena, the kind of thing that Susie's talking about and working where, where I'm coming from on the, primarily the physical side, but that incorporates the, the, the mind and, and its capacity to function in a way that is in context and in continuum with and within nature. And that's where we're, we're, uh, we're moving forward beautifully now. Susie, you know, the way that Dr. Dardick expresses that is so indicative of that reward, of the nature of that reward, of the excitement of finally getting somewhere. Is it that this level is now providing the opportunity to be able to walk in between the special world and the ordinary world? You'll walk in between it, but, but in actual fact, I think a, a more apt description is you'll bridge the world. You become the bridge through your own consciousness. And I think it was James Berber who said, let us not look back in anger or forward in fear, but around in awareness. It's that awareness from compassion, from love, cooperation, discrimination, that puts everything back into harmony. For you, Dr. Dardick, do you feel that part of this road where you are now bridging those two worlds? Absolutely. It's beautiful. This is the uh, end of our second program together. I have to say that this has probably been one of the most profound programs that I've shared on this series. Dr. Dardick, thank you so much. Susie, thank you so much today. Well, bless you, and bless you, Irv, too. It's just, I'm going to go and do a little dance now and celebrate. Great. Me too. And God bless you, too. Well, for you, Dr. Dardick, our special guest today, and Susie Anthony, I thank you so much for this second in the now three programs of the Heroes series with Dr. Dardick. look forward to sharing our next program together. For our listeners, you can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.